Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays, wherever you may be, across this great country or this great land. It was zero this morning in Nashville. Doesn't happen that often. Still snow on the ground. The kids are out. If you hear screaming, I promise everything is fine. They're just playing Madden directly downstairs from uh, my office. Uh, we got a lot to dive into. NFL Divisional Round playoff games. Uh, which ones are we looking forward to the most? Letting you know there's going to be a show a little bit later this afternoon with me and Kelly Stewart, the, uh, the fade, the gambling show that we do, breaking down all four of the divisional round playoff games that is to come. Alabama getting hammered uh, in the transfer portal. Is the dynasty really now becoming apparent how connected it was to Nick Saban? I think the answer is yes. Uh, Amazon gets an agreement with the RSNs. Uh, which is a big deal as it pertains to the regional sports networks and the bankruptcy that uh, ensued there. Talk of an NFL and ESPN partnership, I don't think it makes sense. Third party, is Joe Manchin going to run? How many different third parties are there going to be? How many people are you going to be voting for on your 2024 ballot? We will discuss. Uh, And uh, also, uh, Dalton Connect. This guy is unbelievable on fire right now as an offensive playmaker. I'm scheduled to be in Knoxville watching the Tennessee-Alabama basketball game on Saturday as long as the weather holds up and you can actually drive anywhere in this state and the snow actually starts to melt at some point. Uh, We will discuss that uh, as well. But I want to start with the NFL playoff games that are coming up. Again, I'm going to give you gambling picks here in a bit. Um... But as you look at them, I always like to kind of rank the quality of the games. Uh, on Saturday, you got Texans, Ravens, Packers, 49ers, Bucks, Lions, Chiefs, Bills. I actually think Sunday's games are setting up to be way more interesting than uh, Saturday's games. Look, I, I think the Ravens are going to beat the Texans, okay? Uh, as much as I like C.J. Stroud and have been incredibly impressed with what he's been able to accomplish this year, the Ravens off a bye, I think, will handle the Texans and C.J. Stroud. I also think the 49ers off a bye will comfortably handle the Packers. Big win for the Packers on the road against the Cowboys. Sorry, Cowboy fans. Uh, But I think that is going to be, both of those games, relatively easy wins for the Ravens and the 49ers. This is a little bit of a preview for the gambling picks. But Bucks lions I think is a pretty fantastic game, particularly because the Lions haven't been to the NFC Championship, to my knowledge, in any of our lives. So getting to play at home against the Bucs, Baker Mayfield has been a fabulous story. I think the Bucs lions second best game of the weekend. I like the Lions to figure out a way to get that win. Chiefs-Bills, by far the best game. Let's talk for a second about Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. To the extent you were going to say, who is the modern-day version of Peyton Manning going up against Tom Brady? It's clearly Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. By and large, Patrick Mahomes has gotten the better of Josh Allen in this post-game scenario. We've got two... uh, Super Bowl wins already from Patrick Mahomes. I think four Super Bowl appearances. Am I getting that right? I think I am. Uh, He's had so many. This is the first road playoff game that Patrick Mahomes has ever had to play. So historically, 
Patrick Mahomes would be your modern-day Brady, and Josh Allen would be your modern-day Peyton Manning. Now, to be fair, neither one of these guys are very similar to Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, very stationary quarterbacks. They couldn't run the ball very much. They were not dynamic playmakers. Underrated is how often Patrick Mahomes scrambles and makes a play with his legs. It happens fairly frequently, isn't talked about very much. Josh Allen may be the best athlete at the quarterback position in all of the NFL right now. And yes, I'm even including Lamar Jackson in that uh, cadre because Josh Allen is a lot of bi- lot bigger and stronger. He can run over people. Lamar Jackson is shiftier, but he's also way smaller, doesn't weigh anywhere near as much. You can't rely on Lamar Jackson on fourth and a yard and a half to put his head down and go get it for you like you can by and large with Josh Allen. So, The analogy is not really directly uh, corresponding because the players are very different. But I think if you had to say, okay, we don't have Brady, we don't have Manning anymore in the NFL, what's the best quarterback rivalry that exists in the NFL right now? It's certainly Mahomes and it's Allen. This is Josh Allen's opportunity in the playoffs. We know what happened uh, late in that playoff game in Kansas City. Was there 17 seconds left? when it looked like the Bills had won the, won the game, and then it goes into overtime. I'm sorry, Bills fans, for even bringing it up. Uh, you give an opportunity for a field goal uh, when it looks like the Bills have absolutely won that game. My point on this is, much like Tom Brady won all of the early games that really mattered in the postseason, and you could never get over the hump if you were Peyton Manning, that's Josh Allen right now. But I feel like this year, Josh Allen and the Bills on a roll since they were sitting at 6-6, six and six, I feel like the Bills are going to win this game to, uh, on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Can't wait to watch. Mahomes has not been helped by his receivers all year. What did Travis Kelsey have? Three drops. Didn't end up mattering because they won comfortably against the Bills. Uh, I feel, uh, sorry, against the Dolphins. I feel like Josh Allen and the Bills are going to get the win over Patrick Mahomes. The NFL's modern-day version of Brady Manning is going to continue, and I can't wait to watch. It is by far the best game of the divisional round. That means we went 3-5 and five in the gambling picks last week. We'll discuss it in more detail on the gambling show with Kelly. That means I think the Bills are going to win. I think the Bills are going to advance, go on the road, and play against... Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, which will be a whale of a game if that were to happen. By the way, if the Ravens win, it's a whale of a game, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, just FYI. Uh, means on the other side, I think it's going to be the 49ers going up against the Detroit Lions. Yes, I think the Lions are going to be in the NFC Championship game playing a little bit over a week from now, about 10 days from now, for a chance to advance to the Super Bowl. I will be out in Vegas. I cannot wait. I cannot even imagine what the vibe would be or how much Detroit would take over Las Vegas, the state of Michigan in general, if the Lions were able to pull off the upset and take on the 49ers. I think picking right now, I would say 49ers-Bills would be my pick. Uh, But we will see what ends up happening. 
a lot still to be determined there. That is where we sit with the NFL divisional round playoffs. Alabama is getting hammered. Absolutely eviscerated right now in the overall transfer portal. They have had elite player after elite player entering into the portal. Over 20 portal uh, guys going in. I saw Stuart Mandel share this stat right now, and this may have changed in the last hour. Uh, Right now, returning starters for last year's college football playoff teams, Alabama has seven. And that number may continue to decline. Texas with 14, Michigan with six. Michigan had a veteran-laden team. Washington with three. Everybody's been talking about how everybody left off of that Washington team. I do think that Alabama is learning. And Alabama fans are learning. And I tried to tell my 13-year-old, I've got an Alabama fan in the house myself. Alabama fans came to believe that the reason they won was because of something unique about the Alabama program. And I've been pushing back on this for years. Said it wasn't Alabama. It was how elite Nick Saban was. The Alabama dynasty is not really the Alabama dynasty. It's the Nick Saban dynasty. Everybody wanted to come play for Alabama because you felt like you were going to win a national championship. Every player who stayed four years with Nick Saban did win a national championship. Also, you knew that Nick Saban would take care of you if you had elite talent, you were going to get drafted into the NFL. Alabama was a finishing school because of Nick Saban, not because of Alabama. And this is where a lot of people don't understand this. And I hammered it home. I said, look, after Bear Bryant, from 1980, last couple of years of Bear Bryant, all the way to 2009, Alabama won one national championship. One national championship basically in 30 years. And a lot of those years, Alabama wasn't very good. Because being elite and dominant and dynastic is incredibly rare. Alabama fans are spoiled. They have no idea. You saw that video of me with my 13-year-old telling him his childhood was over. You got no idea what it's like to always win 10 or 11 games and always be in the SEC championship and always be in the playoff. I was looking at the Vegas odds. Alabama is actually under. There's money on the underside of Alabama right now. Nine and a half wins. That means Vegas right now is saying Alabama is going to go nine and three is the most likely outcome in 2024. If that happens... Alabama fans are going to act like the sky has fallen. God forbid they ever go 8-4 and or 7-5. and They have no conception, young Bama fans, like my 13-year-old, of what the reality of college football is. And I've been arguing for a long time that Nick Saban would have done at Alabama what he did at at LSU, he would have done it. At Georgia, he would have done it. At Tennessee, he would have done it. At Auburn, he would have done it. At all of the historic top five or six programs in the SEC. I think he would have done it at Texas. I think he could have done it at Oklahoma. Nick Saban would have had that same level of success. It wasn't Alabama's dynasty. It was Nick Saban's dynasty. And what you're starting to see is the slippage in the tide. Now, partly NIL related, but this is important. Alabama 
is not fabulous when it comes to NIL. This is one of the issues. We just talked to Senator Tommy Tuberville about this on Clay and Buck. This was one of the issues that Alabama had in general. They don't have super wealthy alums like a lot of other SEC schools do. Arkansas has way more rich fans than Alabama does. Texas A&M has way more rich fans than Alabama does. Tennessee has way more rich fans than, than Alabama does. Alabama is not an historically wealthy program. There are not billionaire Alabama fans. Heck, Tim Cook, who is the CEO of Apple right now, huge Auburn guy. Auburn has way wealthier alums than Alabama does. In NIL, Alabama's not advantaged. It was not the Alabama dynasty. It was the Nick Saban dynasty. And I think a lot of Alabama fans are just now starting to understand how much things have changed. Doesn't mean Kalen DeBoer might not be good. Kalen DeBoer may be great. Great coach. Wins a national championship every 10 years. Maybe 2 in 15 years. If everything goes really well. Good coach. Might win one every 20 years. That's the reality of college football. I think NIL has democratized college football. The Nick Saban dynasty is over. Alabama's just going to be good. And there are a lot of good SEC teams. Now, they're helped by the fact that 12 teams make the playoffs now instead of four. But I think Alabama fans are just now starting to recognize this. One more thing. And I think I mentioned this on a show, but if I didn't, the most impressive thing that Nick Saban did for Alabama was not winning six national championships wasn't putting 44 draft picks in. It wasn't uh, being number one in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Clay Travis, and I'll kick the show is going to keep right on rolling. Most impressive thing Nick Saban did for the University of Alabama was turn the University of Alabama into a school that people from California, New York, and the Chicago area wanted their kids to go to. And this has happened writ large in the SEC. I am old enough to remember when I went away to college on the East Coast at George Washington University, scholarship kid, nobody wanted to send their kids on the East Coast or the West Coast to the SEC to go to college. It was the equivalent of sending your kids uh, to the worst school in their school district. People thumbed their nose. They were elitist. They looked down on the idea of going to a Southeastern Conference school. The dominance in football of Alabama and LSU and Florida, now Georgia, winning championships sent the number of uh, applications skyrocketing to SEC schools. No one benefited off that more than Alabama. I believe I am correct in this right now. Over half of the students at the University of Alabama now are from out of state. Used to be the idea that you grew up in L.A. and would send your kids away to school in Alabama, that was like child abuse. The idea that you were from Chicago or New York City and your kids would grow up and you'd be like, okay, we're happy to have you go to the University of Alabama, you wouldn't even admit that in your social circles. Now all these kids want to go to the SEC. They saw how much fun it is. They saw how much the party is. And they saw how great the weather is 
relative to a lot of other places, and they want that experience. Nick Saban is a big part of why the brand changed, and he brought in, this is no exaggeration, billions of dollars to the University of Alabama that never would have been there but for the football success that Nick Saban had. I don't know that I talked about that enough last week, and I wanted to make sure that I hit it this week. I can't remember if I talked about the actual business side impact of Nick Saban, which was and is absolutely seismic. Talking about business, there's three different stories out there, uh, two different stories, sorry, that I saw that relate to business. Uh, Over the weekend, I think it was on Friday, the New York Post reported that ESPN and the NFL Network were potentially so-called NFL media, but basically the NFL Network were potentially in a partnership. This makes zero sense to me. Um, and, And let me explain why. Somebody made the analogy of Sears and Kmart. I think it was a good one. You basically have two collapsing businesses, the ESPN channel and the, uh, and the channel for, uh, for the NFL network. They are hemorrhaging subscribers. The cable and satellite bundle is collapsing. The business imperative, the foundational value of those businesses is collapsing. What sense does it make to take two collapsing businesses and put them together? The NFL isn't in the business that ESPN is in the business. This is important. One of the first things I think, one of the most important things you can figure out in business is what is my business? How do we make money doing this for a living? It astounds me how few people ever have this thought. If you want to be really successful in life, you have to think like your boss. You have to think, what is your labor doing that makes your boss more money. And then you have to do more of it. If you want to be really successful, don't think like an employee, think like a boss. And by the way, easy advice for a lot of people out there, if you don't want your boss's boss job, you're in the wrong career. Because that's ultimately where you should aspire to be. Look up, not down. Look up to where you would aspire to be. Some people just want to be employees. There's nothing wrong with being an employee. It's a lot less stress to just get a paycheck. But if you want to be the person who cuts the paycheck, if you want to be the person sitting at the front of the table making decisions, you need to be thinking about it. What's the business? The NFL's business is to sell their games to the highest possible bidder. They are a content business. They sell their games to the highest possible bidder. Whether It's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, Charles Barkley back in the day, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, it's amazing how often God tells every athlete to go to the team that offers them the most money. It's a great line. Wherever offers you the most money, that's where God's telling you to go. A lot of athletes have said that over the year. God, man, God seems to really like money. It's amazing how that happens, all right? So, the NFL wants money. They will take the most money no matter where it comes from. The NFL stepped stepped its toe in the content business when the cable and satellite business was on fire. When any idiot could start 
a cable and satellite television company, the NFL said, hey, not only should we be selling our games to the highest possible bidder, we should also control some of our games and some of our content instead of allowing the ESPNs of the world to make all the money off of our broadcast content. And a decade ago, if the NFL Network had been super smart, they would have sold out. They would have said, okay, we probably have made several billion dollars for our owner. Let's wash our hands of this. We don't need the NFL Network channel anymore. They waited too long. Now there isn't much value for the NFL Network. My advice, if I were an NFL owner, I would be saying, let's take whatever money we can for the NFL Network and whatever money we can get for NFL Media, NFL.com, all of these assets, and let's just take it off the table. That's not really our business. We decided to put some money into it, but our business is in putting on games. Report from the New York Post is that the NFL would partner with ESPN and somehow the NFL Network would go into business with ESPN. That's like taking the Titanic and doubling the size of the Titanic and expecting when you hit the iceberg a different result. It is Sears and Kmart merging together and just accelerating the bankruptcy. It doesn't make any sense. Again, for ESPN, it might make some sense because it allows them to kind of sell the idea that there is a future for ESPN, which I don't believe there is. It doesn't make any sense at all for the NFL. So this, and it doesn't make any sense for the NBA. It doesn't make any sense for the NHL. It doesn't make any sense for Major League Baseball. All of those leagues are in the business of selling their games to the highest possible bidder. Why do you want to be in the channel business now? Now, if you want to build your own streaming network, Major League Baseball did this because they had so many different games to put on and they didn't think they were maximizing their value everywhere. Major League Baseball Extra Innings, MLB Media, that was a smart play, okay? But the NFL, you're in the business of selling your business content. Your business is the games. What is the business? Understand it. It doesn't make any sense to partner with ESPN. And nobody, again, sometimes I look back at this and I'm just like, man, there's a lot of really dumb people in our industry. They just don't get to the essence of what a business is, what should be happening, what should, what rational decision should you make. And that ties in with ESPN. Everybody's like, ESPN's trying to desperately get out of the ESPN business because ESPN, what is their business? They're a middleman. By and large, ESPN makes all of its money and makes almost all of its audience based off renting the games from the league's and distributing them. ESPN is in the distribution business. By and large, they don't make money off uh, Stephen A. Smith, Pat McAfee. That's just shoulder programming that allows them to exist between games, right? That They make money off of the shoulder programming because people turn on ESPN, by and large, to watch the games, okay? Games are really expensive because you have to rent the games. You never own them, you rent them. So ESPN 
People are like, oh, Clay, you don't know what you're talking about. ESPN made X number of dollars last year. One, there's accounting tricks, right, to try to maximize revenue. But two, all of that money is vanishing just based off uh, college football playoff, how much more an expanded college football playoff is going to cost, and how much more the NBA is going to cost. I don't think that ESPN can afford both of those things. They already had to walk away from the Big Ten I don't think they can afford to buy the entire NBA package that they have right now, which not that many people watch, and also take on all 12 playoff games. They might have to sell some of those playoff games back to even be able to make a profit. This is desperate. ESPN is in dire straits. They are desperate. Because if the leagues decide that they want to sell to Amazon or Apple or Netflix or Google, if any of those big tech companies decide that they want to get into sports, ESPN's business is over because all of those companies can pay way more than Disney can possibly afford. Just keep that in mind. Um, And so this whole idea of ESPN partnering. I understand why ESPN's trying to do it because they're desperate. The league partner make no sense unless they're just selling their channel to ESPN. Uh, And this ties in with the second news story that is out there. Uh, Amazon and the RSNs are um, now going to have a relationship. The regional sports networks. This is how most people watch the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. The Diamond Sports Group Let me give you a little bit of a a quick history for those of you who don't know the business side here. So when Fox sold its assets to uh, Disney, Disney paid $71 billion to Rupert Murdoch for a huge amount of Fox assets. They got the uh, Fox uh, studio, uh, 20th Century Fox, 21st Century Fox. They got uh, all of the RSNs. They got... Uh, a bunch of the cable channels. Basically, Fox decided they didn't want to get into the streaming business and they sold almost all of their entertainment assets to Disney. Department of Justice came out and said, ESPN, because of ESPN, Disney, you cannot keep all the regional sports networks. So Rupert Murdoch sold those, if I remember correctly, for about $20 billion. Disney then has to sell them for about 10 and now they've all gone bankrupt. Okay, it's one of the craziest collapses in sports media history. Now Amazon has entered into a partnership to buy a minority stake in these broken, bankrupt regional sports networks. And this could be another big step that Amazon is taking to end up in a position uh, where they are going to be able to take over a lot of the overall business assets. And effectively... My prediction is Amazon now is building out an ESPN Plus streaming platform as a part of Amazon Prime that is likely to have more desirable assets than what ESPN is able to put out there. And the real value for ESPN is not the existing business, which is collapsing. It's in uh, the assets that they have for the games now. That's the only reason people would buy them. By the way, some people say, okay, if the cable and satellite business bundle is collapsing, which it is, and which if you've been watching me for a decade, I've been telling you this was going to happen, and nobody believed me. You go back and read 
uh, when I was writing this in 2012, 2013, 14, all these years writing it out, no one bought into me being right. I was 100% right, right? Disney stock has not moved in a decade because by and large, uh, cable and satellite bundle was a huge part of their profit. Okay. Uh, and by the way, they paid uh, uh, Bob Iger $31 million for what last year? It's good work if you can get it. I don't think Bob Iger did anything I wouldn't have been able to do. I might have been better at it, just FYI. But if you look right now at the way this is all shaking out, people say, well, all cable and satellite is done for. I don't think that's true. I think news is still going to matter. People say, okay, well, if ESPN's collapsing and you're right about that, why wouldn't Fox News and MSNBC and CNN collapse? Well, because I think news is still going to have great value. Also, it doesn't cost much. It doesn't cost anything to cover the New Hampshire primary compared to how much it covers to put on the Bills game against the Chiefs this weekend. The fixed costs for ESPN are billions of dollars a year. The fixed costs for Fox News or CNN or MSNBC are very small. Basically, just a studio flip a camera on. Now, there's ancillary employees and everything else, but you can't exist as a business at ESPN without spending billions and billions of dollars a year on the games that you rent from all the leagues. There is no exclusive access to covering a presidential campaign or to covering the news. It's not cheap, but it literally costs pennies or nickels on the dollar compared to ESPN. So the profit margin for uh, the news networks, I think, is going to remain fairly consistent for years and years to come uh, before there's any major concern. Is the profit margin going to decline? Probably but you're not talking about the Titanic like you are with ESPN. There's a big difference in the business imperatives there. By and large, news networks don't rent. They own and they cover the news as opposed to renting games, which is the entire business of ESPN. Uh, A couple of other things. Dalton Connect. I have watched tennis. I am 44 years old. I have been a Tennessee basketball fan long-suffering, trust me, my entire life. The best Tennessee basketball offensive players that I have ever watched multi-year to start with, Allen Houston and Chris Lofton. Best scorers, a lot of you will know those guys, best offensive players. I think that Dalton Connect is better than both. Now, he's only been there a year. But I think he is far more athletic and can score on every different level far better than Chris Lofton. Chris Lofton was an incredible shooter, wasn't particularly tall, wasn't particularly great at putting the ball in the basket, finishing at the rim. Dalton Connect is a better offensive weapon than Chris Lofton. I think he's also better than Allen Houston. Now, Allen Houston, a little bit more difficult to assess because the three-point shot was still early in his career and the surrounding talent on the Tennessee basketball team when he was there was atrocious. But I think Dalton Connect is better at getting to the rim and finishing than Allen Houston was. And I think he's also 
frankly, just as good of a ball handler. This is based on my recollection. It's now been 20-some-odd years, 30 years, whatever it's been since I watched. Tobias Harris is the other elite offensive player. He was only there his freshman year. Dalton connects better than he is. Grant Williams was great. Didn't have the, the different layered games, right? He's developed a three-point shot now. He didn't really have it when he was at uh, Tennessee. A lot of good players. I think Dalton Connect, not all around. There have been better players defensively, everything else. Scored 39 points last night against, uh, against Florida. Just scored 36 against Georgia. Elite offensive player the best offensive player in terms of scoring the basket and being able to score from anywhere on the court that I believe I have ever seen with Tennessee. He may be the best player in the SEC this year, and I think he's certainly going to be a first-round draft pick. Certainly, maybe his age works against him a little bit, but he is making grown man plays right now. Pretty extraordinary. Finally, I want you to pay attention to this. Third party, we know that in 2016, Trump won, if you look at the margins, probably because Jill Stein was on the ballot for the Green Party. 2020, and I'm still mad at them, if you look at the margins, Biden won because of the number of people who voted for libertarian candidates in Arizona, in Georgia, in Wisconsin. The libertarian party were not on the ballot, I think, Trump would have won the 2020 presidency. 2024, you're talking about Green Party. You're talking about RFK Jr. You're talking about uh, uh, the Libertarian, whomever that ends up being. You're talking about Cornell West. And there is the possibility of a no-labels candidacy. If that happens, watch out for Joe Manchin. Watch out for Chris Christie, some sort of unity ticket that could throw everything into an uproar in the event that we are set for Biden v. Trump rematch, which is where I think we are headed. For all of the attention on Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and everybody else out there, and Joe Biden and Donald Trump, the third-party candidacies get prepared. In 10 months, you may be going to vote with seven names on your ballot in some states. This could be a monstrous part of the overall story. Just file it away. It is, I think, a significant aspect to the story as we continue to break all of this down. All right. I am Clay Travis, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Kelly Stewart and I are now going to be doing a uh, gambling show for all of you. It'll be up later this afternoon, evening, to get you ready for the divisional round of the playoffs. I'll be back tomorrow with you. Same bat time, same bat channel. Survive the cold as best you can. At some point, I think all this snow has to melt and the kids have to go back to school. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I'm Clay Travis, and this has been Outkick, the show.